0: This is Chris Talk Movies. Hello, and welcome back to the podcast. My name is Chris Ferry, and of course, this is my co-host. My name is Chris huddleston and today we are today we are both very excited to be talking to you about the brand new film. So, spoiler alert: we do talk about these things uh, in great detail, but today we are going to be discussing everything, everywhere, all at once. your husband. I'm another version of him from another universe. I'm here because we need your help.
1: Very busy today. i so no tired to help you.
0: Across the multiverse, I've seen thousands of Evelyns. You can access all of the memories, their emotions, even their skills. There's a great evil spreading throughout the many verses. And you... be your only chance of stopping it
1: don't make me fight you i am really good i don't believe you
0: wow that looks really good He's waiting in the wings The universe he speaks of senseless things Is so much bigger you and me. than you realize Of all the places I could be I just want to share with you Remember our mission concerning the fate of every single world of our infinite multiverse there's no way I am the Evelyn you are looking for. Every rejection, every disappointment has led you here to this moment. Don't let anything distract you from it. <laughs> Do you have a synopsis
1: for us, Mr. Huddleston? I do. And before I do that, I wanted to say just before we got on here to record, I saw that they are re-releasing this in the theater uh, July 29th. Cool. So uh, I don't know if don't, who knows what the, how that'll work out as far as in the future when this episode comes out. But if you have not watched this yet, there's a possibility that it'll be in the theater. That's... Um, I watched it on Amazon prime, but so the synopsis is when an interdimensional rupture unravels reality an unlikely hero must channel her newfound powers to fight bizarre and bewildering dangers from the multiverse as the fate of the world hangs in the balance. And this movie stars Michelle Yeoh, Stephanie Hsu, Ki Kwan, James Hong, Jamie Lee Curtis. And it is directed by Dan, Kwan and Daniel Shiner who go as Daniels, which I thought was kind of neat. Yes. They're they're Daniels. So, all right. So you saw this before me. You saw this in the theater with our good buddy Jay, right? I did. Okay. So tell tell us what you... Did you re-watch it or were you? are you just going on memory from
0: I seeing a, it whenever you had every intention it. of re-watching it and then I did not re-watch it. So I'm okay. just going to get the one slightly room temperature take um so take it with a grain of salt but um i thought it was great um i really thought it was extremely refreshing and weird and funny um with some great kung fu sequences some great playful homage to all the different sort of Sub genres of the kung fu, right? Like pinky kung fu and stuff like that. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought the performances were fantastic. Michelle Yeo was great. That's not a surprise. I thought, uh, what's her name? You just said her name, Jamie Lee Curtis. Jamie Lee Curtis was great. <laughs> the character's so funny. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it is a long film. It 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 goes it goes on and on. Um, but I didn't. That's not to say that I thought it dragged. I just by the end of it, I was spent. I was really exhausted because it's a it is a whirling dervish. What did you think? Yeah,
1: so I watched it uh, this past week on at home. Uh, I wish I had. I I suppose now I would have opportunity but i really tried to see this in the theater but here in middle america it was kind of tough it played for a little while um i don't know what this re-release if it'll if it'll make it but i i just wasn't able to see it in the theater and kind of regret that because this it definitely feels like a movie to see on the big screen um my the the pluses um this movie is I would say a technical achievement, Um, you know, for some people watch movies and they just, um, you know, they just pay attention to the story and that's it. And that's fine. But having been somebody that my entire life, I've been interested in the behind the scenes aspect and think, you know, I, I, haven't worked in other than you know, we used to do little super eight things when we were kids, but I have not worked, I've not actually made a movie or anything, um, as you have, but I lots of times we'll watch films and just think, wow, I wonder how they did that. You know, that was really neat. Um, and I read about this that the people who did the special effects were not, they didn't go to school for this or anything, they just watched YouTube tutorials and, you know, which I think is pretty amazing, but there are just, I, I definitely feel like this is a movie that probably warrants multiple viewings because there's just so much of this where throughout the film, you know, they're flashing between all these different universes that Michelle Yeoh as the main character is. And it's just, you know, I'm sure there's all kinds of things that you're missing as it just flashes by. And two to a degree that at times it almost gave me anxiety (laughs) to watch this a little bit as it kind of flashes through all these things, but just all of that is fantastic. Um, The performances across the board are incredible. Um, There's been talk of, of um, Oscar buzz for Jamie Lee Curtis, which I don't know that I would go that far. I mean, she's, she's playing, kind of against type this is a, a different kind of role for her. she's great i'm not taking anything away from her but i, I just don't know if it's an academy award type of, a, of of a performance but the i thought the so if you've watched movies in the last 40 years they're going to be people in this year going to recognize you know uh, uh jamie lee curtis of course everybody knows who jamie lee curtis is but Key kwan uh for you know he was a big part of our childhood as uh or childhoods, and I think uh, he actually as,
0: sounds a lot the same
1: like his voice is just still completely recognizable, and he kind of just is like a bigger version of you know his young self or whatever. But so he was short round in Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom, he was data in Goonies, um, and I, I and I. You know, I might have gotten this wrong, but I think he was sort of out of acting or wasn't getting a lot of roles or anything. And these guys approached him. And so this is, you know, maybe almost kind of like a Tarantino uh, Travolta thing where maybe this will jump, you know, reignite his career. I hope so. I mean, if that's something that he wants, but he's great. Who really blew me away? I mean, everybody's fantastic. But the daughter uh, whose name is Joy and she's you know, kind of the, the villain in this and man, she was
0: great. I agree.
1: I just thought she was awesome. Um, going into it, you had, you had warned me a bit to cause people have just hyped this. Yeah. To, you know, the stratosphere and, and, um, uh, I've talked to almost no one or, or just kind of seeing people online that, that, that said, oh, I hated this or it was ter- terrible or whatever. Um, but you did warn me to, you know, not get my hopes up too high. And I try not to do that these days. I would say it's it's kind of thick in the middle. There's the 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 kung fu stuff got to be tedious to me a bit at times. But but that's kind of my only real uh, criticism. You know, I, it, it could maybe be cut a bit, but it is, you know, it's kind of this small film. I don't know what the budget is, but it feels epic. Yes. Um, I guess the last thing I would say, I'll, I'll go back to you is, and I want to, I don't want to rehash all of this, but we watched uh, Doctor Strange and the Muppets Take Manhattan, or um what the Multiverse of Madness. That you know, I didn't particularly enjoy. This is a multiverse. This, this is the multiverse movie that I want to see. Uh I just, I, I kept watching this and thinking, man, if a movie like Doctor Strange had 10% of the creativity that went into yes. this movie,
0: it would be something, you know. So yes. anyway. So back to you. It's uh it is a multiverse movie, normal person, normal life, you know. And we see this in the matrix. It's a it's a trope. Someone appears, maybe it's a familiar face, maybe it's someone you've never seen before. But if it's a familiar face, they're acting in a way that's totally unfamiliar to you, and they say, There's no time you just have to trust me. None of this is real. It's an emergency. We need you. And it turns out that of all the infinite iterations of you, this one, you're, you're, you're the, you know, I've been looking forever and you're the, you're the only one, you're the only one that can of all the different yous, you know, so, or in this case, yo's, (laughs) Uh, so, but, but, but then, then they have a lot of fun with it, right? It turns out that there is a team of people in universe X or whatever it's called. They've named themselves the one universe that sort of figured out what's happening. And so there is people, there are people at a desk that, you know, have keyboards and, you know, you have a little earpiece that you put in and that they map out like, oh no, something crazy is happening. So like in the matrix where you lie down and your operator beams a bunch of new information into your brain, you're like, oh, I know Kung Fu. Um, In this one, you have a little um, Bluetooth ear piece and they tell you to do something that usually seems crazy because you taking that action realigns all of these nodes of the multiverse in a given way so that the next closest you is is has the skill set you need right and you can kind of co-opt the knowledge of that next closest you but you have to do something crazy like grab that stapler and staple yourself right between the eyes what you know so you grab it and you go and then your little light goes green because you taking that ridiculous action that they tell you has realigned the multiverse so that when you punch it you get the, the the you know you need to know how to like fly a helicopter and in that next universe now that you've done this weird thing that realigns it you know how to fly a helicopter and so they have a lot of fun with that because early on she presses the button when it is she hasn't done it right and of course the crazy things are really absurd frequently um uh, sometimes they're gross like pick your nose and eat it you know and it seems like the screenwriters are having fun in a childish way with um you know but then there's there's people from on the other team and they're doing it they all have earpieces too and so they all you'll run in a room and everybody will square off for a second and then they'll all look at the thing and they all race for the you know um statuette or whether they, mm-hmm. they have to stick up their butt in one case there's, mm-hmm. actually, and you don't hear that command you just see a bunch of the guys trying to get this Train I mean, jump it's on really it and, yeah. it's really absurd um i i think in one there's you know there's like an official character and uh and she has to go up and like kiss him or, uh, you know, pick his nose or something like that, you know, so they have a lot of fun with all, all all the rest of us, you know, what is happening as these people do this crazy stuff. I didn't describe that very well, but, um, it's also a mother daughter story. Like I agree with you. I think the daughter's performance is fantastic. And in the universe we start in, she's just a normal kid who's struggling with depression and, uh, She's gay and her conservative mother, and even more conservative grandfather with whom they live, she's scared because they are not going to be supportive, right? And, um, but in the multiverse, Joy, the daughter, is the sort of epic bad, bad guy, the kind of Thanos that can, you know, control reality and is going to ruin everything. There's some really neat sc- scenes with her, like fighting
1: police,
0: and you know she kind of toys with them because she can, yeah, do, and essentially can anything, be anybody and do anything. Um, and so it's a it's a story of like you know it's like Luke and Darth Vader. He, you have to get through, uh, you have to get through to the bad guy and find the good in them. And so there's a lot of things that chime with other, you know, a lot of tropes that we're familiar with. But it really does, this whole movie really does feel like everything, everywhere, all at once by the end of it. I, it's been so many different kinds of movie and and so many, some of the, they spend time in some of these other realities. Like, mm-hmm. they're not just little flickers, like in... Um, I like the, I don't mean papers. to interrupt, but I liked the... Uh, yeah. Where there was the
1: confusion about Ratatouille, but it was a raccoon. It was (laughs) Raccoonatouille or whatever. It's on the guy's head, controlling him. And And, and it's in several scenes.
0: Yeah. It's not just a one-off gag. At one point, somebody decides that it's really important to him that he rescue the raccoon, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And so he ends up, Michelle Yeoh ends up on his shoulders, like pulling his hair like the raccoon did. Because he's like, I can't do it without raccoonie. I mean, it's it's absolutely bonkers. Um, and then there's another one that I that I still find disturbing, where they all have kind of big hot dog fingers. And uh, when they're really excited, sort of mustard and ketchup come out of their mouths. It was it's because their big hot dog fingers can't really use it. their feet. They use their feet to like play the piano, and it's it's just crazy. And it's she crazy. and Jamie Lee
1: Curtis are a couple in that yeah. universe, which is interesting. Whereas in kind of most of the rest of the film, they're sort of, you know, at, at odds with each other. Yes. Um, and that's really hard. And it, it's, it's weird. You know, it's a, it's a real skill when you can, to me, when filmmakers can, you have that absurd nature of where they have the hot dog fan hands and you know they're touching each other and everything. And there's one scene where one of them is like caressing the other's face but with their foot, you know, and it's this absurdest thing, but it's also heartfelt, you know. That's yeah. a real skill to me when you can combine those together, you know. You actually feel you know, some sadness for this couple in this really strange universe,
0: yeah. And I think the daughter kind of steals the movie. Mm-hmm. I would agree. Yeah. But Jamie Lee Curtis gives her a run for her money. And, but I think at the end of the day, I have to give the blue ribbon in this one to Michelle Yeoh because we really follow. She holds her. it all together. And, and she does so many different versions of herself and so many different absurd situations that run the gamut from the Broadly comic to. The, you know, genuinely heartfelt, like you said, um, and and she is doing that range wearing, you know, different masks of the multiverse. So, mm-hmm. you know, she's a woman who's in sort of an unhappy marriage who and they run a laundry and then, you know, she's got the hot dog fingers and she's a kung fu expert. She's everything. But we 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 get to see her perform in these other realities and it, i it's just a in addition to all the kung fu fighting you'd expect to see michelle yo doing which is and she's a movie one, one of the multiverses
1: she's a movie star and she's right. this beautiful movie star you know and the the uh you know the and but in the kind of the main character she's just this sort of i don't know if frumpy is the right word but you know this just woman who she and her husband own this laundromat
0: and yeah. And she's just bitterly unhappy really. Mm-hmm. Um And that comes out in anger. Like she's very short tempered and she's always yelling at everybody. And mm-hmm. But you know, there's a reality we go to where they're just rocks and that it's a, it's a reality where their life never evolved on earth. And so it's her and her daughter are sitting there having a nonverbal conversation. That's just the words coming up on the screen, but they're just two rocks. <laughs> sitting next to each and other even
1: that is compelling you know i mean that yeah. could be that could be go horribly you know uh wrong in the in the wrong hands but even that is and that's like five minute scene or something you know it's not like it's just a few seconds
0: yeah yeah i feel like the reason i felt any sense of disappointment at all when i saw this is it had been hyped to me in terms of this is the perfect movie, right? This is the best movie ever made, kind of thing. And I don't think it's the perfect movie, and I, I don't think it's probably the best movie ever made. But it is a virtuosic. Under, I mean this the, That's this sets the bar so high for itself, and I think it hits. It is like one of these kung fu sequences included in the film. It is just everything, everywhere, all at once. And it really hits all the bases. And I, I was hugely impressed with it. I did enjoy it. Um, I, me and long movies, man, I just, I got arthritis now in my head mm-hmm. sitting for, if I if sit anywhere for three hours and I start to be like, wow oh, man, I got get some blood pumping my legs or something. You know what I mean? So yeah. there was a part of me that just getting too old for this shit
1: (laughs) in a strange (laughs) way I would say even though I I said that it is a bit long and and kind of uh bloated in the middle on the other hand there's so much to this that this is kind of one of these rare films that I it would be it could have been a series as well you know I I think they could have stretched you know a lot of series for me it feels like there's four hours of content stretched into eight hours or 10 hours or whatever, but there's just yeah. so much going on with this that they could easily explore, you know, some of these different universes a little bit more thoroughly. And and also, you know, it seems that we talk a lot about how we just get comic book movies and there's nothing else. Um, but it, you know, this is kind of the little movie that could we get, We get a couple of these a year, it seems like now that are just for whatever reason, movies that break through and people, you know, this the word of mouth was good on this, which is interesting because it's such a weird movie. This is, you know, there are even though I said I haven't talked to anybody who um, who said they didn't like this. I'm also talking to kind of like minded people that like science fiction. And, you know, this is. This is. I wouldn't.
0: I wouldn't take my mom to this one. I don't think she'd be able to keep up with it.
1: Exactly. Yeah. I think my parent. My if my parents watch this, I, just, I think they'd just be like, "Well, that was weird," you know. Um,
0: and, and she wouldn't appreciate a lot of the homage in this film. Like, yeah, there's a you. I think you had said Tarantino earlier, but there is like with Pulp Fiction. Part of the delight of that film is all the homage to the genre and to other pillars of the of that genre films. And uh, and I think that's a big part of the enjoyment of this for me is seeing how much they delight in, you know, using these tropes and referencing other. Uh, like
1: the, the Ratatouille thing. Like my parents would just be like, what was up with the raccoon? You know, <laughs> and,
0: and you'd have to be like, you know? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That was just crazy. Uh, this made me think. But- Oh, I would say on that note, on a, on a bigger level, it doesn't feel arbitrary. Mm-mm. The insanity. Um, what it what it feels like to me is just as it, from one angle, it's a sort of a coming of age thing for the daughter. It's kind of a coming in coming of age or coming into focus for the Michelle Yeoh character, the central character, the mother. And I think a lot of that is absurdity is a metaphor for the absurdities of life, right? And when you open yourself up to life and you really try and, you know, you really try and be present with the moment and not take yourself too seriously, you start to see that, oh, we really do live, we live quite an absurd existence, you know, and uh, the heart wants what the heart wants and other such idioms. But I think as she as she struggles to figure out how to reach her daughter in a meaningful way, she realizes that I, I'm I'm the block, right? That I need to get around whatever's I'm in my own way. She's right there. And I don't know what to say to her. And that's the problem. So I've got to figure out, I've got to figure out. What's going on with me that's making this seem so opaque so that I can actually move through this and reach her. And along the way, ridiculous, embarrassing, mortifying stuff happens. And she just has to kind of throw herself into it and come through on the other side. And there's literally a sequence in which she is doing that where she Mm -hmm. says, okay, well, I guess. What I have to do now is help everybody else along the way. Like that's my only move here is I just have to help everyone else solve all of their problems. And one of them is the chef who had the raccoon. Yeah. So she she goes <laughs> deliberately goes back through these things and sort that of that was neat after they've been they'd been fighting, and now it's like she's
1: you know helping them be better, you know. And that was
0: neat. That those are also absurd. But a lot of these things, you know, she gets out of these crazy dimensions and she's sort of like. Ugh, you know, like that was I hate that. Never want to go back to that place. Then she chooses to go back to each of these places and solve all of those problems. And so the other thing I wanted to talk about a little bit is it's it is a Chinese American film. Right. So the Michelle Yeoh is Chinese and they speak Mandarin. I guess it's Mandarin with subtitles for a lot of the film. Like Mm -hmm. they also speak English. And I'm sure in Chinese markets, they have a version that's subtitled Chinese when they're speaking English. But one of the thoughts I had was this is such a smart movie in that way, because the Chinese film market has, uh, you know, is is a big market and uh, there have been several attempts to capitalize on making crossover movies that would perform in both markets. And I think there are several examples of movies that feel like a Chinese movie with a Western star in them. Like there's a there's one called The Great Wall or something that's got Matt Damon as a samurai mm-hmm. or something in it, and I didn't think it was a particularly good movie. I have no idea how well it did in China. But when you're watching it, it's like this was shot in China with a Chinese cast. It's set in China, and they've got an A-list actor from America to try and crack open the U.S. market with it. And, you know, this is, this is much more of a, a Chinese-American hybrid film. There is, I feel like Eastern markets, like the Korean market stuff that is gross or mortifyingly embarrassing or crazy absurd like the raccoon on the head. And it's not animated. They have a, like a little animatronic or like a puppet or something of the raccoon. Uh, That feels a lot more uh Eastern market to me. And mm-hmm. of course, a predominantly Chinese cast. Whereas you know, casting Jamie Lee Curtis and it's set in America and half of the, half of the film, they are speaking English. Um, And this whole multiverse thing that seems, you know, very hot topic now because of what Marvel is doing with it. Um, And Ratatouille is an American movie reference. You know what I mean? I, this Mm -hmm. really does feel like it's 50, 50. Um, And I, I, I wonder I would love to hear from the filmmakers whether that was something they explicitly, it just struck me as very smart because it didn't inhibit my enjoyment of the movie. And I would love to know how it did in the Chinese market. Mm -hmm. Um, And and if they were like, well, yeah, that was the whole point. Like, or we sat down and we said, we need to make a movie that's going to play in both markets or Hey, if we're going to do this, why don't we, I don't know. I would just love to hear. You know, what's
1: funny about that is, and it's something that, I'm I'm very aware of because there are like I remember um, the the sequel to Independence Day, which I never saw, which was supposed to be really bad. But uh, I don't know if you saw it or not, but I don't a lot agree. of people said this was just clearly made for the Chinese market. Um, and so I'm I'm usually pr- kind of cognizant cogniz- of what happened in
0: the sequel to Independence Day do the aliens come back.
1: I don't know I didn't I didn't see it so it was just everybody's everything that I saw was that it was really bad so I stayed away from it but maybe we could watch it for the show uh but um I didn't even think about the Chinese market with this which I mean is a no-brainer obviously but it just yeah. it just didn't even really occur to me I just uh which I'm sure I mean I'm sure you're right in the
0: movie where I see principal cast members uh being you know chinese and speaking in chinese where it's not like the hook episode where it's like you know oh the the you know the gangsters are speaking until our you know our american hero kicks in the door and then they all switch to english right um Mm -hmm. But they're actually having they're just conversing as a main part of the movie in Chinese. I think Chinese market, man, this is either shot in China. They intend to show this to the Chinese audience. Otherwise. You know, they just have people speaking English. Mm-hmm. The thing about that is I and I'm
1: sure I'm just guessing, but I imagine Chinese people watching this movie and particularly Chinese American people watching this movie are probably like, hey, here's a movie with this is really cool because there's, you know, there's Chinese uh, people acting in it. But as a non-Chinese person or non-Chinese American person, it it's just a story. You know what I mean? It's it's just yeah. like the it's it's I'm sure there are aspects of this that are that maybe like maybe you and I wouldn't pick up on that somebody who's Chinese would be like oh wow you know they would notice that or whatever but this is kind of one of these movies where the characters could be from anywhere
0: you know what I mean does that make sense yeah it does I mean I I think for a long time Hollywood was afraid of international or even um, non-white casting and I remember thinking this when Black Panther came out, which is a predominantly African-American cast. I thought the movie was uh, delightfully fun and I thought the performances were terrific and I thought it was super refreshing. I'm like, well, where, you know, I don't feel alienated because I'm not seeing more white faces on the screen. You know, it's just a it's a rollicking. I get invested in the characters and I care about what they care about and whether or not they succeed or get hurt or fail, you know. and
1: Really? Yeah, and
0: it's like, that's a pretty shallow, I don't know, maybe, maybe the data bears this out, but it's a pretty shallow expectation that movie are only going to want to see themselves reflected on the screen. Right.
1: A pretty infamous version of this is a few years ago. And I, for, I forget both of these guys' names Uh without looking them up. Maybe you, you know, but when the uh, Bill and Ted Bill and Ted, yeah. When, uh, harold and kumar go to white castle came out in like 2003 or whatever it was so i don't remember those guys named but anyway i i heard an interview with one of them and he said they had such a hard time getting that movie made because the studios are like uh you can't have an asian guy and an indian guy one of the characters has to be white and they were just like, why? Who cares? And they were just like, the, the, you know, uh, general audiences aren't going to watch this. Nobody's. And, and the argument that he made uh, with this is he said, people just want to see good stories. They don't care yeah. if everybody's white or it's a male cast or a female cast or the people are straight or gay or whatever. They just want good stories. And and you know, so, and
0: at the time, you know, I
1: mean, that's a, a, a dumb movie,
0: but and I will a big hit, off, you know. uh, Yeah, I'll springboard off that sentiment. I think people, I certainly am, but I suspect people are actually hungry for it. Sure. It's uncomfortable to try and open yourself up to an actual neighbor's experience if they, if you perceive them to be other or, you know, you invite your friend home. To dinner from college and that's the first gay o- openly gay person your parents have ever met, and that's uncomfortable for them, not because they have anything against it, per se, but they just don't want to inadvertently Right, real world growth is uncomfortable. You go to a movie. You get to participate and learn about another person's experience, even if it's in very subtle ways. Um and it's completely safe and you walk out feeling um i think a little i don't know a little wiser to the world maybe in a tiny way i don't know i don't i mean that makes it sound like it's i don't know but like i say with with black panther quite contrary to feeling alienated from it and more than just being like wasn't an issue that everybody was a different, you know, skin color than I was. I actually found it quite refreshing, like that aspect of it strong, intelligent African American characters. You know, I just was like, man, we there should be more, there should be more diversity on screen, full stop, everywhere. Like it's just, it's so much more interesting. And with a movie like that
1: movie like black Panther, or if we're talking about this movie, everything everywhere all at once, or Harold and Kumar go to white castle. They're just people in the movies. It's not like, I mean, you know, like Harold and Kumar, for example, they make jokes about their ethnicity and everything, but that's not what the whole movie is about. It's just these two guys literally (laughs) who are still trying to go to white castle, you know? So I don't know. Um, But yeah. Um, I agree. I mean, I think, and this movie shows this, you know, this didn't make a billion dollars, but I think it's at like $70 million or something like that. And they're going to release it, re-release it in theaters. So it found an audience and it, 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 I mean, obviously we watched it, but it couldn't have been only Chinese people or only Chinese Americans going to see this. And I know it wasn't because I've talked to a lot of other people who are just, white guys who were like, oh yeah, I love that movie, you know? So
0: I would say if you're on the fence, check out the trailer because the trailer gives you a real taste. It's going to, it's going to give you an idea. I think for how wild it gets. It is everything everywhere all at once, baby.
1: Another thing that I wanted to touch on just briefly was the multiverse aspect. So like you said, with uh, the Marvel movies, we now have, you know, multiverse is in the, it's part of the lexicon. Now it's in the, it's in pop culture and it's, you know, probably at one time, um, it would be just, you know, people that read sci-fi books or whatever would, would have know anything about the multiverse or whatever. But this movie is, it's kind of a combination of genres. So there's sci-fi and drama and maybe kind of horror or whatever, but they always say that horror reflects what's going on in society that a lot of times horror films are um you know they're kind of thinly veiled uh statements about what's happening in society or whatever do you think all of this multiverse stuff is a coincidence or you know i've been thinking it's like everything kind of sucks right now <laughs> to everybody so is, do you think that is oh it's interesting kind of like hey we would like to get away to a different universe that's not the one that we're in, um, or or am I reading too much into what's happening? In pop culture is it just like, hey, Marvel did it, so let's do. No, I, I mean, too. I think
0: there's a reason why Marvel decided it. With audiences were ready to sort of get their brains warped in that way too. I think what I see the multiverse depicted are the possibilities, right? So, I, one of the things I feel right now is this sort of existential. Oh, there are so many problems, and there are actually solutions to some of them, but we don't collectively seem to be doing any of these solutions. We're all just watching the world melt and, right? Somewhat literally and figuring So, the idea, out. yeah, the idea I think of that sort of appealing of a multiverse is, oh, there are other possible outcomes there are other possible ways realities that we could have and less than oh more of that and less of like oh there is another version of myself that has you know a mohawk and there is another version of it right Mm -hmm. right now some alternate universe uh, this particular thing is different. I think it's more like it's it's more um, down the ra- Alice down the rabbit hole. It's like if you really, if you really let your imagination open up and run wild, there might be alternate choices. Mm-hmm. we could be making with our lives collectively but maybe also our lives individually i mean one thing i i had a conversation with a buddy of mine recently that's kind of like part of it is just my age you know you get to this stage of life and you're you realize you're looking down the hill <laughs> right when you're 18 you got i whole life ahead of me and you can't see over the top of the hill as you get to 50 they just start to be like yeah Yeah, you know, I'd be lucky if I get another 30 years or more would be great, but that's not an infinite amount of time. Hmm. And uh, and I was just saying to him, I was like, oh, man, with everything going on, I just makes me want to take a real hard look at my life and be like, am I doing what i want to be doing with the time that i've got left i mean obviously i have to have a job because i have to make money and i'm sure. using my kids and i have responsibilities but within those requirements like what do i really want to be doing and maybe i should figure out a way to prioritize that more you
1: know what i mean yeah oh yeah i mean it definitely i mean i think a lot of people feel this way but there's um you know, you kind of feel like there's not a lot of time for for nonsense, and I think even, and I don't want to get off on a big tangent or anything. I think even, I don't even think it's necessarily tied to age. You you've had just kind of the events of the last couple of years where people are just saying, hey, you know, you could die from a virus or something, and I don't want to be doing a bunch of stuff that I don't want to do. You know, within reason, uh, like you said, you have to. But even people have said, man, I don't want to go into an office anymore. I'm going to work from home, you know, and there's the technology that I can do that. And so I'm not going to waste my time. You know, I'm not going to waste whatever percentage of that time in a car commuting to a job right. or whatever, you know. So, right. yeah, I think I think people are are lots of people are just kind of looking at things in it, you know, hey, may, how can we approach things in a different way in a, in a lot of aspects? Yeah. So, I, I mean, I definitely Uh, And maybe that's playing into some of this multiverse stuff. I don't know. Um, One thing I was looking here at one point while you were talking, I I had to look it up because I couldn't remember what it was called. This show or this movie made me think some about a show that was made for Netflix. Um, I think it said 2018 called Maniac with with Emma Stone and Jonah Hill. Have you ever seen it?
0: Maybe maybe it's, I did. It was a series or it was a movie? It was a series. It's not it's yeah. not a
1: multiverse thing but it's like a uh virtual reality thing. The mind
0: bender thing. Where yeah. it's
1: the two of them and they go into different So you've seen it?
0: I have, although okay. I might have been smoking. I don't have okay. very specific memories of it except that it was weird and moody and Yeah,
1: there were some things about that the, the, the watching this movie that made me think of that show. It's not exactly like that but that's one that I would you know, I don't think it was like a big hit for Netflix or anything, uh, but it was a neat uh, this kind of, again, not exactly a multiverse, but a alternate versions of the same character, you know, in different realities. And it's a cool show, kind of serious, kind of funny, sort of like this movie.
0: Yes. Yeah. I generally like that stuff. I like the yeah. reality bendy, what if kind of stuff.
1: Like you were talking about that the, you know, there's some influences, you know, there's definitely things about this that feel like the Matrix and made me think of kind of Donnie Darko some and some other. So this is, you know, one of these in my wheelhouse kind of things. Well, and
0: you sent me a link to the next chapter of the MCU, which is I guess the next Avengers chapter is Kang the Conqueror. And then after that they're Slating what if or, or battle uh, secret wars,
1: yeah, which we talked about that before. <laughs> that they need to, you, you and we, we said it, I think, just last week. I think we like said they, it
0: on the podcast that every time they're like, Oh man, they yeah. don't make that.
1: We were just like, They had that, ha- this has to be in the plans, and of course it is. So, but it's an Avengers movie, so I don't know if I, I hope, which I guess with Avengers, they had everybody, they put pretty much everybody in. The last yeah. Avengers movie, right? Yeah, so.
0: that's the kind of center of the Avengers franchise is the center of the MCU. It's where yeah. it comes together. But that article you sent me was interesting too because it is a perfect opportunity, like these multiverse movies, to reintroduce the X-Men, which they now own the rights to, and the Fantastic Four if they want to to, you know, I mean they introduced Reed Richards a little bit in in multiverse, but it, Secret Wars is a perfect and you could even bring Captain Carter. I mean, you could bring anybody from there. There's no rules. It's just like this is a fight movie where we do anything we want. <laughs> you know, and I don't know,
1: <coughs> excuse me. I don't know how the they will handle it now because they already have the Venom movies, which I haven't seen. But Secret Wars introduced the black suit because it was an alien thing that um, which that's one of those. I don't I don't want to go off on a tangent with that but that as a kid the black suit was kind of like uh, uh you know Luke Skywalker finding out that Darth Vader was his father and that we're being told you know in the Empire Strikes Back and that black suit thing was I don't know how like as an adult if that happened how I would it was like always oh, he got a black suit but man as a kid the black suit thing was just so it was such a change of the, yeah, it's and him
0: on the cover. It's him on the cover being like, what, what the heck? And it's that black and white suit that. And I'm sure there were people at the time, you know, as a kid, we just kind of
1: read the stuff and I was just like, that's fun or whatever. I don't remember being, you know, everybody's just angry all the time if they don't do anything. And I'm sure there were people who had been reading Spider-Man since the sixties or or whatever, who were just like, this is an outrage. They gave him a black suit, but I just loved that time period. That
0: was really cool. You know, and then, you know, and it made him more powerful. Like he, it enhanced his powers. And then the, the unfolding was though that was actually alive. It was this sort of, yeah. Symbiote that started to try and control his thoughts. And then of course he, divorced himself of it which was a whole plot line and then it could so that would be and i i haven't seen those venom movies so i don't know what they do in
1: them maybe i don't know but uh it would be a shame to me if they would just if they would have that not be an aspect of secret wars you know if they do something other than because i would just straight adapt those 80s comics just you know maybe there's some things that wouldn't play But I I would make it as close as possible to uh, which I've read some criticism in later years that it was like all people uh, that it was just they made a toy line and that those comics were poorly written just to sell the toys and everything. But
0: I thought it was great as a child. I thought the concept was awesome. I remember thinking even as a kid, like this, uh, this excellent idea has so much more potential. Mm -hmm. They didn't it did sort of feel like people were just kind of wandering around and there were these occasional skirmishes and i was kind mm-hmm. of like what's the plan like what <laughs> but i think that you know the mcu they they've been pretty good about taking existing storylines and converting them for the big screen and making them clip right along and raising mistakes and introducing curveballs. And so hopefully they would do that with this too. The concept itself is such a great blank slate. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you just have to get over the, the deus ex machina of some godlike creature has plucked you all out of your realities and put you on this battle world to fight for the death. Why? Don't the worry about The Beyonder?
1: About it. Is that what the guy was called? The Beyonder? The God guy?
0: Yeah, Did I guess. I think I guess. so. And doesn't he after that? Doesn't he come to Earth and manifest himself? They did a second one,
1: so there was Secret Wars two, which even as a kid I knew was not as good as the. But yeah, they they did a they did a Secret Wars two because you know the first one was such a big deal. So, and then I sent you the trailer for Dungeons and Dragons, which I think maybe you were watching when we. I just
0: started to watch that. Yeah, and it's uh, Chris. Which Chris is that? Chris Pine. Chris Pine interesting well the graphics look good it looks tongue-in-cheeky i'm always interested in these genre films where they're talking like you're just walking down the street in williamsburg you know like hey you want to go get a drink yeah okay that's all good i don't
1: up, know over. if Whoa. i don't know if it is i just i watched the trailer and th- that's all i said i don't know if it is sort of a jumanji kind of a thing where they are people uh, actually playing the game you know what i mean um but i'm not sure i I, that's kind of how i take it but i'm not sure if that's interesting
0: i need to go back and carefully watch this trailer i just started watching it yeah when you jump it it looks okay you know but so for (laughs) now so we want
1: to wrap this up yeah thumbs up
0: yeah thumbs up it's uh, you know maybe your parents will dig it maybe they won't but if you're into sci-fi and comic books and kung fu and everything everywhere all at once then you know Highly recommend this one. It's definitely one of the best
1: movies that I've seen this year. I
0: mean, I just, just off the top of my head,
1: I have a hard time picking something that I thought was better, you know? And so then for next time we had talked about maybe another new one that is a Netflix movie called the gray, the gray man, I think is what it's called. Sure. And that's um, Ryan Gosling and Chris Evans, Evans. I was going to say Chris captain america i can't think america.
0: His, his last name so uh um yeah we can do that i thought i you know i saw the trailer i thought like that looks like expensive fluff
1: was it something but, that you would have watched anyway you think or would you have steered clear of it
0: i think i probably would have started just started checking it out one night you know i i'm i'm finishing up stranger things season four now which is great mm. um that series had kind of lost me. I think season one blew me away. And season two felt like a little bit of a letdown, but a lot of season twos do. And season three felt like... uh, I'm not sure this has my interests. There were good things about it, but it just didn't feel as fresh anymore. And then this one comes all the way back around and brings in a lot of themes from season one and ties things off and it's I'm loving it. It's great. I'm right I watched
1: season one and I skipped two and three and just watched the recap because everybody's like, oh, you gotta watch season four. So I' was like, I don't think I'm gonna get around to season two and three. So I just watched the recap at the beginning of yep. and I've watched uh, I've watched the first couple of episodes. It's
0: really good. Yeah, I'm loving um, that. So I mean, but sooner or later I'd be sitting on the couch being like, eh, I don't feel like oh, nah. no oh, wonder if that's any good. And I probably would have started watching it. Um, but if we do it, I will not turn it off. If I dislike it, I will watch the whole thing. But didn't wasn't they didn't they do another one I was telling you about that had um it was an alien invasion and it had with a,
1: yet another Chris, right? Right. Uh,
0: like what are their names again? Pratt. So there's Chris Pine, That's Chris,
1: Chris Evans, Chris Hemsworth is Thor and then Chris Guardians of the Galaxy. What's his name? Pratt. Pratt. Yeah. Is that the one that you're talking about? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it's got uh, J.K. Simmons as his father. And I remember telling you whether or not I told you on the podcast or not, I was like, you know, it, it does feel like a made for Netflix movie. They didn't spare any expense on it. And I was like, on the one hand, it is forgettable. It's not designed to make its mark in the pantheon of filmic history. But I thought it was really entertaining. Do you know? Was it the Mm -hmm. best performance anybody handed in? No. But, you know, the, the CGI aliens actually were more original than a lot of the CGI aliens you're used to seeing. Mm -hmm. And they were scary, which is actually also sort of, uh, you can't take that for granted, you know. And I'm of the opinion right now that Chris Pratt could pretty much carry any movie you put him in. He's just at the top of his game right now. He's nailed that charming, earnest, funny, but also hunky. Like, he ticks all the boxes. He's... uh, He reads as a tough guy, but he also reads as a sweetie and he can genuinely do comedy. um, But he can cry on command. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like he's just nailing it. And to
1: make sure that we cover all the Chris's. uh, I was at my sister's house last night and we were going to watch a movie and we almost watched uh, Chris Hemsworth has a new one called Spiderhead, i think is the name of it have you seen anything about that
0: i've seen the trailer for that yeah oh. where it's some sort of a research facility or something like that is spider and we reference to the name of the place where crazy bad things are happening or
1: yeah and it has miles whatever his name is who's from the new top gun uh and uh so we we had we had every intention of watching that and, you know we were having some drinks and stuff and we got sidetracked and never started it but um so that's another Chris one. Look, well, the I mean, thing that freaked me. We what's got that?
0: Thor Love and Thunders out too, which I haven't seen, but I, I am interested in seeing that. Yeah, I like, uh, I mean, he's another,
1: it's kind of the same thing. He can do comedy. He can do serious and everything. Yep. Only thing it, it uh, in the trailer for that Spiderhead movie, it freaks me out a little bit because he has an American accent and it's just, you know, he's Thor. They just let him use, I don't know how, much for changing it right it just kind of sounds like him you
0: know yeah Uh, so i don't know well as thor he's kind of doing a british accent isn't he yeah australian he's australian yeah um you can put a little shrimp on the bottom i can't (laughs) so Um, anyway yeah so we will watch we'll watch that we'll watch the gray man for next time Another brand new made for streaming. that's
1: just came out like a week ago. So that's new, new, new. That's like about as new as anything we ever watch.
0: Uh, Chris and Chris talk movies at gmail.com. That's our handle. We are on the socials. We're on YouTube. We're on your podcast. We are or where else are we Twitter? I don't know what we're doing. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram.
1: Yeah. I'm not, I'm kind of bad about Facebook, but
0: smash that like button. Instagram is
1: what I update the most. So yeah, but we're probably in places that we don't know that
0: we're there, but we don't even know where we are. (laughs) It's we're in the multiverse, but we do so much. Thank you for listening slash watching, whichever, however you're engaging with us. Thank you. Um, and, uh, Yeah, unless you have anything else to add, we'll call it. I think that's all. That's all. So we will talk to you next week.